Welcome to the Special Delivery Damn Near Daily Podcast. I'm your host, Special, and this is episode number 22 of the Special Delivery 30-Day Podcast Challenge, where I'm just trying to give you 30 podcasts in about 30 days or so. Some episodes highlight new songs that have dropped in the past 24 hours or so, and some episodes, like this one, are sit-downs with artists breaking down everything you don't know and should know about their latest project. This episode is with DJ Flo and Monty Draper to talk about their project Rock and we talk about everything from recording on the road, sample digging internationally, how they chose the features, the documentary that they made along with the project and so much more. So let's get into it. You guys want to introduce yourselves to the people? Uh, my name is <laughs> DJ Flo. That's DJ Flo. He's going to be weird about it. Uh, I'm Monty Draper. We're just DJ Flo and Monty Draper because we're, we're whack and don't have a name, a group name. So I don't think you need one has that been kind of like a discussion internally and with other we people that you guys that need one or so like do we need it because prime was coming out mm-hmm. run the jewels P- run the jewels all these different like two-man crews were like coming back and they had a name like damn do we need a name and then finally we're like no nah, we don't but the name the album title needs to be hard though is what we settled on and i guess where we kind of were like well let's not do that because it seems like marketing wise you if you have a new name, then Shoot you're, yourself you're the foot, seen yeah. as a new artist. And it's like, when we linked up, he had a following. I was already kind of doing my thing. So it was kind of like, it would be a waste to try to, like, put our effort into promoting a new name. <laughs> so yeah. it just made sense. Yeah. It gets confusing. Well, we already kind of talked about it, but I definitely want to get into it. The title, Rock. Mm-hmm. And it being such a strong title, all caps, exclamation point. <laughs> Tell the people about the process to the actual title on tour we would just nerd out about like liner notes and, and history of stuff and we were just looking at the tree of uh raucous records or at least i was i was like really thinking about that and you think about m think about yay most deaf and all these people that are in some way associated with that tree of raucous mm-hmm. um and what they've been able to turn into present day in terms of just consistency even if it's not directly with music just branding as a whole and it really wasn't important staple in an important period in, in hip-hop specifically. So we wanted to, at least I wanted to figure out a way to pay homage, and that's what we were running with. But then it was also really dope. Over in Europe, you realize that hip-hop is for sure the new rock and roll, and how do we maintain those raw elements of hip-hop? And so just putting that raw and that rock together, it was like, oh, that's dope. And he came with the whole all caps just to make a statement and like put it in people's face and exclamation point too. And it was that gracious record too. We were just like, hey, throw some names out. Let's just see if they would stick. And so he threw me that and I was like, oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> how he said it too. And I was like, no, it's all right. I started writing it down, you know, and then um, I was like, let me do the exclamation because there's a, the so, first track on the album gracious, yeah. is uh, gracious and it has the exclamation point. And so the sample of that was this record that we found when we were in Brighton. I guess to back up a little, the whole entire record was made on our tour, mm-hmm. both in the U.S. and out in Europe. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of the source material was taken from when I would dig for records out there and stuff, mm-hmm. and we would flip them there. And so um, when we were in Brighton, which was our first stop, I came, we came across this like rock record store. And they specialize in like prog rock and like crazy kind of 70s psychedelic kind of shit. And um, there's this record on the wall and it, it's an exclamation point. 
and it was called. So all that was on there is just floating. It's just an exclamation point, and it was uh, called "Gracious." It just said "Gracious," and so I ended up getting that album because I was like, "This shit's crazy," <laughs> and so that's what the sample was for the first song on the album, mm-hmm. and so it was just one of those things where, like, I don't know if you've seen the instrumental version of the mm-hmm. album. It has that we kind of replicated that exclamation point. Mm-hmm. So if you look on Discogs or whatever, you could find that record, and it's. It's actually a crazy ass rock record, yeah. but so um, that's kind of where the whole tie-in comes in. It's the first track, and then I was like, "Well, let's just put that on every, every single song, track." Yeah. Track titles. I want to talk about Gracious too, because you start out with the Kobe Bryant cut. Whose idea was that? Because there's tons of cuts all throughout the project that mm-hmm. are super interesting to me. Some I recognize, some I don't recognize. We know DJ Flo had the samples yeah. and was, like you said, digging all throughout the tour, which is a super intense experience, <laughs> I would think. Like, yeah. just to go to record stores, and, you know, you might not speak the language, so we'll get into that as well. But as far as the cuts, especially that Kobe Bryant cut, how did you guys kind of play with those? A whole bunch of the homies are going to Complex Con. And they're like, can you go? And I was like, I couldn't go. We were about to leave. But I was super interested in what content would be generated that week, you know, and then that, that Kobe and Kendrick interview dropped and it was like blew my mind because we never really got that side of Kobe his whole career. It's kind of an easy rule, right? It's like yeah. one path there. You work hard and then all of a sudden it happens. It don't work like that. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of darkness that comes from that as well. I mean, there's a lot of experiences, personal experiences that you go through that you use as fuel to propel you forward, whereas otherwise it would just be obstacles for others. You might even prevent them from going forward. Right? Whereas for us, those moments do nothing but fuel to you. So there's a lot of you know, the, the anxiety, right? the fear, the anger, all of that stuff plays a significant part in it, just as much as love does. And so to hear him speak like that, and I don't know if he ever really knew how much of the culture he represented from the way, you know, where he wore his hair, the way he hooped, his attitude. Like, But to hear him speak and to have it resonate as much as it did, I was like, damn. And so I just started gathering all these clips. And then he came up with the idea of, like, yo, we should insert some of those. Do you have any? And I was like, well, glad you asked, you know, and then just sent him a whole bunch. He was able to place them in terms of sequence to make the story sort of linear, you know. So it was true collaboration in that regard, you know. Mm-hmm. And then that interview, actually, um, Kendrick is alongside him in that interview. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan of To Pimp a Butterfly, just the way that they transition records and stuff. So there was a little bit of a nod to the sequencing in that album in the way that in the intro of that album, it kind of there's like a sample that fades in mm-hmm. and then it goes into the George Clinton thing. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of like, there's a little bit of a, like a nerdy ass <laughs> like, you know connection saying? to yeah, it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so that's actually a pretty dense like yeah, intro was, right there. The whole album is an exercise in our fandom. You know, yeah, for yeah. us, what really draws awesome creativity is your fandom and being able to maintain that. And so you look at all the people that are able to have a longevity. What are you talking about, Erica? What are you talking about, Ye? What are you talking about, Pharrell? They remain fans of the culture as it continues to grow and evolve. Whereas the people who aren't able to sort of, you know, fall off and aren't able to grow with the times and marry what they naturally do and where the world is sort of moving, you know. And so there was really, this really was an exercise in just our fandom more than anything. That sentence just like <laughs> sparked all kinds of thoughts for me. Just because you think about like these people who are frustrated with the culture mm. and it's like, you look so stagnant when you do that. Absolutely. And you become stagnant when you do that. <laughs> that's just such an important element is to still be a fan. 100%. And that's how you progress through it. Like, oh, that's super, super cool. Do each of you have a favorite kind of clip or cut? At the end of Numbers, I dropped that little 45 that I found where there's this dude kind of chanting. 
and he was i think he was what are they speaking amsterdam dutch 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 he he was speaking dutch and he was like doing some like chanty kind of stuff and it was kind of funky i turned it on 33 it was a 45 <laughs> and then he said uh, amsterdam hey line line where is line hey momentje graag ik wou je wat vragen spel ja eens wat voor mij line zou je dat kunnen M S T E R D A M. That is Amsterdam, Bram. So I wanted to make the point to That's where reference because yeah. it's kind of like a kind of go on this journey of how I dug for the records and like connections there. So the connection was that now because Numbers was a sample we pulled from Brighton, mm-hmm. so we're still in Brighton, and it's not like totally the theme across the whole thing, but Some it just it, happened yeah. to be the connections numbers was a sample from brighton and then we go to amsterdam and so i play her out a record from that and then know the deal comes because that's a record i found in amsterdam also and there's actually a story behind that record also is that i had been digging with my uh, my boy sean the whole Shout day out to sean jamie there was this one place where uh, it was in the red light district and we we're kind of going around like man where are we going to go now He's like, hey, I think there's a record store over here in this area. We're walking through the red light, and there's a gate, and the gate happened to be open because it's it's this record store that's behind the gate for whatever reason, <laughs> and you just have to either get lucky or know how to get up in there. And so the gate had been open. He's like, hey, come over here, and then we go through this gate, and then there's these two small little record shops. One's called Red Light, and another one's this other random, like, I forgot what it was called. We went in there and I just started finding some, like, I was just kind of like, damn, there's just like, this is such a dense record storm. And so, um, know the deal, the sample to that, actually, the dude that was working there had pulled it out and played the song and that sample doesn't even come in till like two, three minutes into the record. (laughs) And so I'm digging and then the sample comes on, I'm just like, and I try not to be so excited because I try not to like, you know what I mean? Because you don't want to be like hella juice and then they mark up the they price or whatever. Price, yeah. And so, so I was like nonchalantly like looking over like, oh, what was that record you just threw on? Just I ended up copying that and that wasn't the know the deal beat. And I mean that sample's like I've heard the sample before. It was a um, it was a lone catalyst joint from. I don't know if you guys know Lone Catalyst. That's, That's that college as, radio shit. As soon as he said it, he's like, uh, never mind. We're going to look him up now, though. <laughs> Back to that, I couldn't remember. It's the Gene Gray clip. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was my favorite sort of just random nugget. Because Gene Gray is, like, phenomenal. Like, one of my favorite artists, too. But the conversation she was having was just centered around, like, sort of synergy and, and commitment and sort of this, like, the shedding of fear in the creative process. I think the idea of if you change your... Future, you can change your, you, you are changing your past at the same time. Just in general, you know, if I do something that I wasn't going to do in 2014, um, in 2016, that has now become my past. You know, and I, I think it's all kind of the same thing. You can, you can really, really decide what path you want to take. And never too late because it isn't too late to actually decide to do something else and whatever you're doing affects how you tell your story from there.
damn, I was like, it's hella deep. So I was worried when I sent it that he wasn't going to like it. So when he did put it, where he put it at, I didn't know where he was placing these records at. Like, I didn't yeah. know. It was like a true nugget when we were having playback in the studio that night. And I was like, damn, this yes. is dope, you know. Now, that's super cool, too, because sometimes, you know what I mean, if one person picks the clips, then they pick where it goes. So mm -hmm. for you guys to really tag team every aspect of this project just makes it that much richer. Mm -hmm. Of course, my favorite cut is the one that your mom did. I think that's super <laughs> cool. And even we're going to talk more about the documentary, but even to see in the documentary how, you know, sometimes we listen to these cuts or these interludes and we think that they're super, like, fabricated mm -hmm. and the person on the other side of the phone is like reading from a piece of paper <laughs> but for you to just call your mom and her to just drop wisdom like that That's... is just a true <laughs> testament to how wise she is and how Absolutely. dope she is yeah. and i think that was super cool to see that behind the scenes thing to where it's like i'm just calling my mom real quick and yeah. like flo's kind of like what wait what, what? like no just keep it running like <laughs> like and it came out so dope so i think that one's super yeah. important that's exactly how she is too and that's exactly how he looked at me like but it, it needed that in terms of what I was saying, because she, she literally a couple of weeks before I was going through this whole transition of circles and she was just talking about people get out of your way for doper people to come in. Whatever you do, keep being you, be true to who you are, it's funny. We were talking about people living a lie and you can always show up being who you think the world wants you to be like. You know who you are and you are true to you. And, I'll in front. That's it. and that's uh, all three of us met really i was leaving one crew and just kind of just floating and then met miles and he was like well you need to meet him you need to meet flow and, and that's what my mom was she was sort of talking about she's like yo everybody that's sort of posing in front are really just dead weight at the end of the day you know because there's so many different hats and so many different jobs that people have to do in the pursuit of what you guys are pursuing and if they're not just down because we get calls to go do stuff last minute and where most people be like, oh, man, I need a couple weeks notice. You're like, bro, we going? Be like, duh. Like, we, we out, you know? And that's kind of thing how things have been going. And that's exactly what she was talking about. But I I wrote that song, and she hadn't heard it. She just started talking about that. And I was like, see, it always works out like that, you know? That's so good. I really <laughs> want to talk about the documentary. I'm obsessed with it. I'm a documentary person anyways. Yeah. But this one was so well put together and such a good storyline going from these rapper DJ producer duos into your guys's journey and mm -hmm. making this project on the road and just every single aspect that went into it. At the end of it, it says that it's a film by DJ Flo's government name. <laughs> so was this your brainchild? How did it really come together? Yeah, I don't mean, be fake humble either. Talk I, your shit. Uh, I'm with you. I'm like a I'm a pretty big fan of documentaries. Even just seeing little clips and stuff on YouTube, like behind the scenes, is always something I've been interested in. I'm a fan of what Dreamville does in their in their rollouts and um, how there's a J Cole documentaries before the album comes out. I know he did it on the the one on HBO first. And then, um, you know, he followed that formula with the with the other artists he does. And for me, I, I, that's what I do. That's like my job job is um, I'm in marketing and I do videos for corporate videos and create content and things like that. And so I'm always telling stories. You know what I mean? That's my thing is I tell stories. And so being a fan of that, being a marketing person who is a fan of the way that things are executed and so the way that different artists are that I like and that I feel are doing a good job at what they're doing and the way that they roll that out I feel like anything I'm involved with I'm gonna think that way you know what I mean and naturally we just document everything since I do that I have the equipment you know what I mean and then we just film whatever we 
whatever we do when we think it's interesting at least going through it i never had the idea of coming out with a documentary just because i was already producing we were on tour, you know what i mean yeah. as we got to the end of the album it's funny because he didn't even know that we we're gonna do that <laughs> until i was just like hey i think i have something you know what i mean that i could kind of piece together can you come over and i'll just interview you real quick and just you know what i mean yeah. it's not it wasn't anything where i was like hey we're gonna do this we're gonna plan it out it actually happened like the week before the release. Yeah, bad. the it week before bad. the release, I was just like, "Hey, I think I got a documentary." <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> you know, because it was just one of those things where, like, even rollout. I don't know if you followed the rollout, but we had like a video every week, and it was just like little behind the scenes things. And there was a lot of clips that, like, I was narrowing that down to that one minute you could use. You know, and so there was there was tons of footage that I had. So where, like I said, it was like. I think I could have a documentary here because the stories kind of make sense. Mm -hmm. And I had been sequencing the record and it just, I don't know, I just felt like I was in a mode where like everything was kind of coming together and making sense. And so I was just like, let's just do it. I think it really helped, you know, like I, um, I'm really proud of the way that this record turned out. And I felt like that it deserved as much as it could to, to live, live longer, you know, to, because it's like, yeah, it came out in November. But anybody who sees it and finds the documentary could potentially become a fan that the other way around. You know what I mean? Because music is so disposable now and people's attention spans so so short to where if we have more things that live out mm -hmm. and um, represent the project, it has a better chance to live longer, you know? so Definitely. No, and it's super cool, too, because I want to get into the story of you guys making this record mm -hmm. in a second. But even just, I feel like it paints that picture so well. And like you said, you can either find the m documentary through the music or you can find the music through the documentary. And I think that's super cool for mm -hmm. people to experience as well. Now, when it comes down to the story, we talk about how you guys are on this tour, trading flash drives in the middle of the plane, <laughs> like making beats in the Airbnb, recording at the Airbnb, just a very mobile project while you guys are experiencing these places and these people and all these different things and I think it's very important for people to know that story and to hear about how mobile this project was mm -hmm. so kind of break that down to the people just not making any excuses we have the access we have the the know-how and the wherewithal we hadn't known each other that long either you know so one of the things that I'm attracted to whether it be, you know, like a romantic relationship or just the, the homies mm -hmm. is your drive or like what's moving you. And so he's the type of cat where he'll just lock in and work. And I'm the same way. And it's hard to be around that energy and not want to match it. Not on, not on nothing competitive, just wanting to do your share and carry your weight. Mm -hmm. And so we um, when we did the U.S. tour. We were recording in Portland. We left the studio, went to go rehearse for the show, and then went to the show. And that was all in the span of the day and had to be on a flight back to the town at 6.30 or something crazy like that. You know, it's just like that's how it should be mm -hmm. in the essence of just taking advantage of the space and the time of being together. Because it's not always going to be those times mm -hmm. where you have that amount of space and opportunity together to just lock in. And so it's like any time that we were together, like, Flo, what you working on? And he, he, even to the point where he had to tell me, like, bro, relax. You don't have to rap on everything. It's like, yes, I do. Like, you know. <laughs> I'm <and>, a rapper. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're able to carry that over into the Midwest and then from the Midwest over into Europe. Shout out to Antrix 
for having a portable turntable, chopped a sample in the house. He being uh, Ableton on his computer, I being a machine on my computer, and whoever has something, we just go go with it. You be like, you ready to record? You got a verse ready? Bet. And then set the mic up and go. And we just left Nam too, which is dope to see all of the company sort of catering to mobile creation. Everything doesn't have to be this big bulky setup. Oh, you're going to lose quality. In some capacity, that's true. But everything is sort of being geared to, especially the technology is being able, being geared to shoot it, edit it, throw it out immediately, you know, as opposed to sitting on it and mulling over it and then letting it, because it, it, what it does is that it sort of clogs up the inspiration. I don't know if that's how it works for everybody else, but for me it does, because it's, it's all moving so fast and I'm such a fan that I'm taking all of it in, so I'll get hell of inspired. It's like, damn, I want to do that. And it was so dope that he was actually paying attention to that because that was my first time out of the country. And so I was like wild inspired. I had never seen no shit like that before. And it's like I, all I wanted to do was write and share it. I remember writing in the in the midst and going, well, this ain't even that fly. And then my cousin from back home, like who's the coolest person I know, he hit me on a FaceTime when we were in Germany, like damn near on the verge of tears being like, bro, this is the coolest shit I ever seen, like you in Europe. And that's when I realized like, Regardless of who understands it or not, I represent something of like where a lot of people where I'm come from don't ever get to lead a country, lead, lead a block, let alone lead a country. So I have to take this series and really dedicate myself to it. And so that whole concept of not overthinking it and just going with it is literally where that was born of. But it, the technology affords us to be able to do that. I just want to do shit when I <laughs> when we can. You know what I'm like, like we're on tour, we ain't doing shit between. You know what I'm saying? And so I was just like, I'm not gonna waste no time. I'm not really into like going out hella anymore. And I don't even drink no more. <laughs> and I'm very much into like catching the vibe. I like making beats when I'm traveling. Like I'm on the plane. Like let me see. You know what I mean? Like catching what I feel at that time. Or especially when we were out there, I knew I was gonna be digging for records. So it's like whatever you start to catch, you start to come up with ideas and concepts. Especially if there's somebody to, you know, to write and kind of catch that feeling too. You know, we're we're on tour. We've been to Europe for the first time. Cause you know you gotta, especially as a writer. You know, as a producer, I feel like songs aren't just like raps. At least those the songs that I'm a fan of. The ones that really stick are the ones where you know that there's like a, a moment captured there. And so there's an important thing about timing when you not only you give them the backdrop for them to write over, but also to capture the moment of them recording it. Because we could have easily just had a bunch of tracks and then came home and then tried to record them. They wouldn't have been the same songs, you know. And so that's kind of my thing is like, if we're able to do it, let's just do it. There's a nice element of surprising each other, like how you surprised Flo when you just randomly called your mom. And then he surprised you with how he sequenced the clips. And I think that just speaks to not only your guys' energy together, but your individual genius and your together genius that kind of comes together so well. And just not even knowing each other for that long and being able to create on the road and create something so dope, but also create and surprise each other, I think has been like a super cool part of this process that is is really important. Now we got to talk about the features. (laughs) I love every single feature on this project. Maybe I'm biased, but hey, it works. (laughs) And everybody is based out of the Bay Area slash NorCal, right? Yep. Was that something that was done on purpose or just kind of happened? That was on purpose because I think there's a general consensus of, like, the Bay Area sound, quote-unquote. And if you're going by that measure, Flo and I don't fit into that, you know. But 
we super love Bay music, like from your Kamayas, everybody that's doing the, the stuff that w- wouldn't be considered what we do. Mm-hmm. It's probably my favorite shit, at least, you know. And so we thought, like, well, what if we get the homies come into our world, essentially? So, like, the Pillow feature was super specific in that regard. It's, bruh, can rap. Well, let's show people that and put them on some shit that we do mm-hmm. and really showcase them in that light and bring them in our world. Because regardless of how people try to spin it, the quote-unquote backpackers or whatever, they're just as big as snobs as the other people. So they're like, oh, he can't rap on this type of stuff. And that's not true. You just got to be introduced to it the right way. And so that's why all that shit was, like, super strategic and, like, making sure we got we got him, making sure Mo was going to do what he does regardless. Yeah. But Kev and how he comes and then Kate Lamont coming from her world, which is not too far derivative. It's all sort of derivative of the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's got to be showcased in the right light together. So that's how it really, and it was all sort of seamless too. And especially with Kate Lamont's part, in the documentary, she talks about how you wrote that for her to sing. Mm-hmm. What was that process kind of like? It's, it's so weird, like, being raised on, like, R&B. So I I can't sing worth the damn, but I I really love that aspect of it. And I, my dream was to always, like, especially when I found out, like, what people like The Dream were doing and, mm-hmm. and Frank Ocean and all them, like, how they pin for other people. It's like, damn, that's what I want to do. Like, big picture goal is to be able to do that as well. Her and I met, and she actually did ask me to help write and produce her new record. So I'd already been in the getting like getting my chops really doing that. So now, as soon as I hear melody, I automatically think about her. So when we were in London, I'd already had that hook and that melody. It's like, damn, I'm just seeing the placeholder until she gets there. And it's like, no, nah, just keep your vocal in there. And it's like, oh, all right. So that's, that's how it came together. It was, it's my favorite part of creating is thinking about someone else and how it relates to her story in that moment of time and she can relate to it and that's why she sounds so good singing it you know as far as aunt chetta's part did you write that or did no you no he it? wrote he wrote he actually had that track already he actually produced that <laughs> yeah he song. produced that joy shout out to aunt bro hey. <laughs> <Cheddar>. <laughs> now he had that he was we were mixing on the move i think that day yeah and he like on some real on some <laughs> real studio like studio hey, engineer hey, Chris, joy. did you play him that beat and i was like <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, he, he, he got a beat he want to play. Go ahead. <laughs> and, and I, I loved I, it. And we did it on, we did that on the spot, like catching that same energy. Like, we didn't even think about it. We just did it right there, like, all, like immediately. Yes. Cheddar's my brother, man. Yeah, Cheddar's dope. Yes, he, he's a great guy. <laughs> and then anything else you guys want to tell people about the project? There were some other underlying features, too. Shout out to Bracey, who's playing bass Bracey on, on the it. bass, yeah. Mark, um, Mark's, Mark uh, Step. Stamaya from Seaside yeah. Walk, yeah, playing the the sax on that. That was that was crazy yeah. playing the the sax on that on the numbers joint. I think as I want to say, children of Outcast, we're just drawn to like sax and trumpet and these very like brassy mm, instruments. Yeah. And that was another part of the project too. Is I feel like. Monty, we see you as a super like outcast fan, but also as a super movie buff. I feel like super. those are those are little things that you kind of threw in here. Like there's you know Pulp Fiction, there's yeah. Bombs Over Baghdad. Like there's a lot of references <laughs> to Outcast and all the movies that I imagine you. You called it like they would be like godparents. You know they mm-hmm. they raised me like innocent. I didn't really understand Nas and all that stuff, but as soon as Outcast came out, everything was clear as day. You know, so it, I think I'm always thinking about. What, would they do it that way? Would they say it like that? Would they think this was fly? And especially if Big Boy didn't think it was fly, probably not going to say it, you know? <laughs> At least that's what I imagine. I don't, you know. I love it. Anything else you guys want to tell the people? No, shout out to shout out to Special and the Special Delivery Podcast for fucking with us, but also for really holding it down. Like, 
I don't know. You just you do a really good job of getting the the interviews that matter to people that are dope that may not get the shine everywhere else. So you have some like on the low, you got some dope ass one on ones with people that are doing big shit. This is a interview. Like you got some really dope interviews, and it means a lot that you would have us on here. So thank you. Thank you. No, it was a long time coming. I heard the project. I loved it. You guys know I absolutely loved the event. Yeah. Like, the launch release party was incredible. It's been a long time coming, but I'm glad you guys are finally here. We get to talk yeah. about it in the right way. Because yeah, th that's also the important part to me is really like, okay, I like this project, but I need to be able to set this up. I need to spend time with this project. Absolutely. I need to, you know what I mean, watch yeah. the documentary four, five, six times. <laughs> like, it has to be the right way. Yeah. So. I appreciate you guys for being patient. Thank you so much. Thank you. thank you. And thank you so much for checking out this episode. I'm going to leave the link to their documentary in the show notes so you can check that out if you haven't seen it yet. Also, hit me letting me know what your favorite part of this episode was. I'm on Twitter, at Special Says, or on Instagram or Snapchat. Those are at Special Says as well.